So, Matt Walsh, whom I've referred to in previous times as the greatest philosopher in the history of the universe, he's posed the hardest question in which nobody seemingly can answer. What is a woman? It's incredibly difficult to answer. Nobody has the real answer. People have the answers for what? what is our purpose. People have answers in reference to, you know, how the universe firstly originated. People have answers in reference to what is God. But in reference to this specific topic, this question, what is a woman, it's just... It's, it's incomprehensible. It's the greatest philosophical question in the history of the universe. In all seriousness, um, Matt Walsh spoke again after being hacked and doxxed by the supposed friendly left. And he recently spoke at an event in which he highlighted his thoughts in reference to transgenderism, slavery, and some very interesting topics in which I, in which I want to discuss. So let's check out this first clip, Matt Walsh, live, University of Iowa. There you go. Okay, sorry, go ahead. No, you're fine. Okay, hi Matt. Uh, my name is Mary. I'm a senior here at the University of Iowa. Um, earlier in the fall, we were told to turn down the temperature of our guest speakers because we were inciting violence. It was conservatives' fault. So I'd like to thank you for being here tonight. Um, we appreciate it. Thank you um, for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. If you don't know, for the first time in school history, our women's basketball team made it to the national championship. Um, and as someone, yeah. Um, and as, oh, I am a woman, if you couldn't tell, um, who would like to have daughters and granddaughters, um, I was just wondering how we as college students can protect women's sports. Uh, I think that it, it you know, there are people that say that it falls to the women to be the ones who take up this this mantle and uh and and i agree that it's it partly like we can't we can't do this without women so so a big part of the story here is that ultimately if we're going to get rid of the madness of men competing against women in women's sports uh it's, it has to involve lots of women in these sports saying i'm not going to compete if you put a man on the court or on the field with me or in the pool with me the, the issue really is here, and this it's just comical beyond belief. It's like the left previously, I don't know what's happened to the left in recent times. In the past, historically, they were so against, um, you know, the patriarchal, capitalistic, evil parasites of the world. And they, rightfully so, advocated for women's rights in terms of voting, so on and so forth. But in recent times, I mean, the left has just done a 360-180. They just don't know where they're looking. They don't know what they're looking for. They don't know anything, despite the fact that they, they're so, and, and historically have been so against capitalistic patriarchal parasites of the world, keyword patriarchal, male-dominated societies, they're perfectly okay with a man walking into a boxing ring with a lovely, young, small woman and totally battering her. It's like, uh, I don't think this is acceptable. I'm sorry for sticking up for women's rights. I don't think this is acceptable. I don't think it's fair. And I think it's very dangerous too how the, the, the mob, in which is basically the characteristic trait of the, of the left now. It's just a, a vicious mob who attack you if you have an opposing view. It's really disgraceful, and this is why women don't want to speak up in reference to these debates, because they are scared of being attacked by the mob, as we saw over the past few years. Now this is a farce, it's not real, and this, this whole thing only exists now to support this person's ego, and so I'm not going to do that. that. That's what women have to say. Um, and there are some women who are saying that, but we need a lot more. And if you had even like 30% of female athletes, 20% of female athletes, I don't know, 15% who said, I'm not going to compete, period, against men, 
then I think this all goes away like in a day. Um, but it's not all, you know, I, I don't think, as men, I don't think we leave it up to, to women to be the only ones to fight any battle. I'm, a, I'm you know, traditionalist. I think men should be on the front lines of every battle. And so I think that men need to be involved too. Like, and, and that also involves the fathers. Oftentimes I wonder, you know, when I see, especially in the younger sports, uh, men involved in girl, boys involved in girl sports, I always wonder, well, where are the dads of these, of these girls? Why aren't they standing up and saying something? Some of them are, but too many aren't. So either way, it's the people who are connected to the issue and actually involved in the sport, whether parent or athlete, who uh, need to be the ones to put this all to an end. Thank you. And this is, by the way, what the left have done in recent times in terms of marginalization and using almost disgust as a method to marginalize those who have alternative opinions. And you saw this clearly within the case of COVID, and there is a biological rooting to this. Within the case of a disease, if one has a specific disease, you are required not to go near them. You have a physical sense of disgust in reference to that specific person if they have a disease in which perhaps could be a threat to your body and to your life. But when you think about this, perhaps within a philosophical or political context, what the left have done is very smart. They specifically marginalize and almost use this biological predisposition of disgust in order to mitigate people from, go from, from joining a specific side or, or going towards a specific person. And you can see this too within the case of COVID, in which you were labeled either an anti-vaxxer, even if you just questioned, even if you just questioned something or you just hesitated for a brief second, you were instantaneously labeled anti-vaxxer, you know, anti-lockdown. A, a, a conspiracy theorist is the best one today in which the BBC commonly does. The BBC, I was watching them the other day. Every, every time someone has an alternative view on climate change, if it's not with the narrative, they call you a conspiracy theorist. I just think it's not right. The point that I'm making is, is, is the reason as to why women aren't speaking out and parents are not speaking out is because of this labelling. Once you're labelled and once your reputation is, is tarnished, it is very difficult um, for one to recover from that situation in many cases. And if you have the mob coming to attack you, calling you a transphobe, transgenderphobe, whatever the hell you want, you, know, you want to say, it's very, very hard for people to, to recover from that situation. Hence why you just see people blindly accepting uh, the ideologues, despite not agreeing with it deep down. Let's check out the second clip. This one should be interesting. Uh, hi. Uh, I've been thinking for a long time, do I locate like with the left or with the right? As you see, I I'm not a white guy, even though my mother is white and my father is black. And uh, I started to think, maybe Matt Walsh is right. Maybe uh, the left is right. So uh, I should be who with who? So uh, I started thinking and looking, studying, researching. Of course, for me, I'm Muslim. The left is completely against Islam and against human at all. They support very radical ideology. So I went to the right and I started looking for information. I started uh, following Andrew Tate. Uh, I consider Andrew Tate as my brother. He is top G, I consider him as my brother. <laughs> So I started following Andrew Tate. He's the first guy who maybe gave me knowledge about uh, how, the, how the conservatives generally think. Then I started looking to the conservative. I've seen the former president, uh, Donald Trump. He's completely, I have a video with me, if I can 
if I can make you, if you can see the video, or listen to the video at least. We're playing clips now. It's like a see? podcast. You can, you can so probably listen. describe it. The President Donald J. Trump calling for complete and shutdown of Muslims entering the United States. Yeah. What the hell is going on? So when Muslims, I seen this racist, racist, radical ideology that that wide range of the conservative who belong to the Republican Party support this radical ideology, even though I'm not with the left at all. I'm not a supporter for changing gender, but I've seen this radical ideology who is completely racist, Islamophobic against Muslims. So I'm not finding myself either with the left or with the right. I've seen Matt Walsh, you are a part of the Daily Wire. This Zionist it, I'm platform. I'm sorry to cut you off, but is it, it? Wait, wait, wait. This is typically a question. There's a question part of the question and answer. Okay. My right to complete my question. Freedom of speech. You are a part well, of this platform that's called the Daily Wire, who support the genocide against Palestinians that are taking okay. place right now. All right. Let's take the the mic. He's. Uh, there's no question here. This, this, okay, listen, okay, but listen, this, okay, okay. Okay. <laughs> you got your clicks, buddy. Oh my lord. I don't know, not much to comment on that, but it was interesting to say the least to see that uh, rage. I'm not sure what his point was, but I think that kind of quickly ushed him away. And I'll, I'll answer this and then we'll be. Don't we, don't we do this all the time? You, 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 what you're asking me is do we, do we put, um, as you say, the benefit, the well being of human beings above. The truth, and what I'm telling you is that that is the ultimate false dichotomy. We do not have to choose between those two. In fact, there is the, the ultimate well-being for a human being is to live in the truth with a deep recognition of truth, uh, and that—that's how you. Yeah, I, I mean, we, this isn't a new thing. I mean, we we do this already with. Okay, there's so many there's so many stories of people who have been changed by uh, you know by God they've seen the light of God and so okay. we sort of turn a blind eye to Listen. science right or we're gonna need science because okay. it's for our benefit we're gonna we're gonna let someone else ask a few a few questions but like I'm kind of scared of the answer before you walk away though hey hey wait a minute 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 wait wait because any, anyone who comes up, and if you want to argue with me about the trans stuff, it's, it's great. You know, I'm, I'm glad we can have the conversation. But we're talking about truth. We're talking about uh, 
uh, biological sex. So I always have to ask the question at the end. I mean, everyone knows what the question is going to be. But so what, what, what is a woman? What, can you define this? <laughs> it's impossible to define this question. It's the best philosophical question in the history of the world. Better than any, you know, better than Plato or Aristotle. No one can answer this question. Just look at his reply now. I think the answer to what is a woman is um, a person who aligns with feminine traits that we traditionally associate with females or that people that align with the feminine side of the spectrum. So the interesting thing about this is that his definition there and which is incredibly flawed, by the way, is in reference to this notion of gender roles, in which simultaneously we can see again the left eat themselves up. They've been so against traditionalistic gender roles, but now when it comes to the transgenderism debate, they're perfectly fine to state that there are key differences in regards to gender roles and characteristics between a male and female. This definition there was in reference to anyone whom defines as being a woman and simultaneously poses commonly characterized feminine characteristics and traits, which is interesting. Well, that's my answer. Um, and I think that answer should, uh, the definition of everything changes over time. And okay. as All we right. continue to learn more about what humans can really be, um, I think that can continue to uh, grow. And I hope, I hope you understand that. Okay. But uh, I just want to make clear that you I, I can't told me hear, to leave I can't, as soon I as I brought you. up a point that you didn't want to respond to, so. I, I couldn't hear what you say. Say your last comment. I was just saying I want to point out that you asked me to leave as soon as I brought up something you didn't want to respond to, so. What, so what did I, I want to respond I to? Freely leave. I, I mentioned religion being um, a source of where we deny or look past science uh, for the greater sense of humanity. Uh, and I, you asked me I to did leave. respond to that. Okay. I, I responded respond to that quite, to quite directly. So. I'm sorry I can't hear you. All right. Thank you for your question. Next question. No. I still can't hear you. I can't, I, I can't hear you. You gotta speak up. All right. Thank you for your question. But in reference to that definition, it's just an absurdity beyond belief. Because as we saw within Scotland over the past few months, there was a man who raped many women and he supposedly identified as a woman in the courthouse and thus he was almost put in to a woman's prison, in which obviously just sparked outrage. It's just nonsensical. A male rapist in a prison with females. It's just nonsensical. And interestingly, <laughs> that was a circular definition there, which is when the reasoner begins with what they're trying to end with. In other words, it's not a real definition. He's just going round in a circle. What is a woman? A woman is anyone who identifies as a woman, but what actually is a woman? You can't just say anyone who identified as a woman because you need to define as to what a woman is. It. woman is. You failed to do so. This final piece is interesting too in reference to colonialism and slavery, in which I have a lot of comments on. And I think this is actually the culminating point, or it's a very important point, at least in reference to the debates and discussions we have, specifically within the US in reference to the races and the supposed white superiority which is based upon the skewed interpretation of history when it comes to the colonial period, the British Empire, and to the slave trade. Thank you, Mr. Walsh. My name is Beto. And a few weeks ago, about three or three weeks or a month ago, you said, quote, 
all of us today would be in a worse spot if slavery never existed, end quote. Could you elaborate on what specific benefits you believe resulted from the practice of slavery and how this aligns with conservative principles of individual liberty and equality? Thank you. Yeah, sure. Uh, and I think, so that's, I don't know if you, if you, did you listen to the whole segment or did you get the Media Matters clip? I just got a clip. What, I'm sorry? I just got the clip, which is why I'm asking. Okay, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, so that, in the Media Matters clip of that statement, what they, what they did was they, of course, as they always do, they remove the, the essential context. In this case, why we're talking about this, uh, which is we're talking about the context of reparations. And so I'm making the point that to demand reparations for something that happened decades ago, a century and a half ago, to demand reparations for that today, something that happened to your ancestors that you never experienced and that your parents and grandparents never experienced, if you want reparations for that, you'd have to be able to prove to begin with that you are in a worse spot today than you would have been had the thing you want reparations for not happened. Let me just say something on this because this highlights a really fascinating misinterpretation of history in which is leading towards many of these racial divides and debates. A few points people need to understand to contextualize this all is that slavery, for one, has been around literally forever within all civilizations and all societies. And literally since the start of human history, slavery has been a part of society. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's good or moral, most definitely, and I'm not disputing the fact that many immoral things have happened throughout the course of civilization, most definitely. But within many contexts, people need to understand that this was viewed as acceptable, and it was only until the latter half, the second half of the British Empire, in which thanks to the Enlightenment period, in conjunction with the rise within Christianity, this led to an innovation within a social sense. In other words, morals developed socially in consideration of the rise within adoption of Catholics, of Christianity, and two uh, philosophical lines of thought. So just another thing we should say to contextualize this is the fact that it's slightly illogical to use the current collective moral compasses and codes in which we abide by on a daily basis and extrapolate those back towards prior times within history in which these moral compasses and codes weren't so evident. What people need to understand is that most of the innovations from the sense and the perspective of a sapien post to the cognitive revolution have actually come within a social sense, within the form of educational institutions, legal systems, and two philosophical notions, compassing codes, thanks to the rise within, let's say, religion. But my major point that I'm making is that the issue with this colonialistic debate today is the fact that there has been a mass misinterpretation of history and fundamentally, this is leading towards notions such as, you know, white superiority, in which many people on the left assume in reference to the ingrained supposed racism within our society. Another thing I should say on this is that it is a gross misinterpretation of history to assume that the British Empire, let's say, had one specific motive. You can take the case of the Nazis, which clearly, most definitely, had one specific agenda in terms of elimination of Jews and to impose their ideology around the world. That was a specific agenda in place. But over the course of the British Empire, it was not as evident in comparison. There were an array of reasons, including entrepreneurialism, discovery, curiosity. There were even some moral reasons, including political stability and the development of nations, which stemmed from, I believe, the League of Nations at the time, which was basically a, a cohort of, of, of organizations and nations who came together 
in order to progress the world. But good motives can be corrupted by vices, and everyone is corrupted to an extent. But what I'm mentioning is that this notion that the British Empire was analogous to the Nazis in, in, in consideration of this flawed idea, an ideology that the British Empire had one specific motive, in other words, in accordance with those on the left side of the spectrum, they would state that the British Empire's motive was to impose their racist ideologies upon society and thus to dominate with power. This is a very misinformed view and has led towards many cultural issues today in which I think we need to discuss. And just another point in terms of touching upon slavery. The major misinterpretation of history in which is prevalent within today's age is this notion that whites on blacks was the only form of slavery in which supposedly and hypothetically shows the ingrained racism and this notion of decolonization of our society in which needs to occur. And whilst I'm not disputing many immoral things that happened during the slave trade by certain people, evidently people can be corrupted and were corrupted, absolutely. But what I'm saying is that you can't just be so reductionistic when looking at history. And if you actually look at history, slavery has been a universal practice for the most of our society. And many societies employ, employed forced labour in agriculture, mining, public works, and even as troops. For example, the ancient Mesopotamian civilizations practiced slavery in one form or another, starting with Egypt in the 3rd millennium BC. To the west, around the shores of the Mediterranean Sea, the ancient Greeks and the Romans too followed suit. To the east, slavery could be found among Chinese from at least the 7th century AD and to within Japan and Korea. In America, the people on the northern Pacific coast practiced this from before the 6th century. From the time of Muhammad in 1600 onwards, slavery was practiced throughout the Islamic world. And in the 8th and 9th century, Vikings supplied slave markets in Arab Spain and Egypt with slave, white slaves, we should say, from Eastern European and British Isles. And in the 1600s, pirates from the coast of North Africa raided merchant ships and even villages in Cornwall and West Cork for slaves. And one estimation alone states that raiders from Tripoli alone enslaved between 1 million and 1.25 million Europeans from the start of the 16th century to the middle of the 18th century. Further estimations state that Muslim slave trade as a whole, which lasted until 1920s, exported, transported around 70 million slaves, mostly African, exceeding by a considerable margin the 11 million slaves shipped by Europeans across the Atlantic. And further, domestic slavery was also something which has happened throughout civilization. Africans have been enslaving other Africans domestically for centuries too, mostly by capturing, capturing them in wars or raids and sometimes taking them into lieu of debt. My point being is that there has been a major skewed misinterpretation of history in which states that in consideration of the British slave trade, this, this integrates the supposed ingrained racism of today's society in which is present within everyone. And what I'm saying is no, we must have a far more accurate interpretation of history in order to make valid conclusions. And instead, whilst accepting that immoral activities have occurred throughout history, slavery too has been present within every nation, and thus is not a sole matter of this hypothetical narrative in which is present today in reference to whites dominating blacks. And therefore, this interpretation in consideration of the mass evil that has occurred throughout civilization to whites, to blacks, to Arabs, to Muslims, to everyone. Therefore, this interpretation of history, namely the idea due to our ancestors' involvement within slavery, we must constantly repent, feel guilty, guilty and thus decolonize society. This interpretation of history is just totally and utterly wrong. Um, we can't even talk about reparations, it seems to me, until you can make that case. Because, what else? because, because if you can't prove that, then my question is, what are we trying to repair? Now, 
If we were talking about reparations for slaves that were just freed from slavery, well, then it's easy to see that they didn't benefit from slavery. Of course not. It's a horrendous evil. But if you're, you know, a, a black American in your 20, 2023, that didn't happen to you. It didn't happen to anybody you know. So if you want reparations for that, reparations that, in fact, your ancestors who went through it didn't get, well, then you need to be able to show how, you know, what exactly, what, what damage to you are we repairing? And I think that's a difficult case to make. Uh, I think it's a difficult case to make that, you know, black Americans in the year 2023 are in a worse spot today because of slavery 150 years ago. And then to, 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 to try to illustrate the absurdity of playing this game of like re, of going back in history and then, and then, and then sort of imagining, well, what if this thing, this, this evil had never occurred? You know, where would I be now? Um, then you start to realize you, you, you fall into absurdity very quickly. This is the thing. It's just really strange. I mean, as a white person, in consideration of the history of white slaves too, as I just previously noted, should I be demanding, you know, a decolonization of society or whatever one wants to call it? Evil has occurred throughout society and we can't play this idiotic game in terms of looking back throughout history and pinpointing specific examples of evil in order to kind of supposedly explain our current situation. I mean, why are we not doing this to, to let's say, the Jews in which during, you know, Nazi Germany, they were totally wiped out at the masses, tens of millions, hundreds of millions. Quickly, because if, if we're imagining the world without African slavery, then I imagine we're also imagining the world without any kind of slavery. Indeed, that was my point. The fact that there has been slaves throughout civilization, throughout civilization, whites on whites, blacks on blacks, whites on blacks, blacks on blacks, so on and so forth. African slavery is just one form of global slavery. And so if we're, if we're wiping that out from history, then none of us in this room would even exist because you have you have just rewritten history in such a monumental way that it, it, it completely changes everything that happens after it and so it's very likely that there would there'd be people standing in this room it just wouldn't be you and me and so we're imagining it's like well would i benefit from erasing this thing 150 years ago probably not because i wouldn't exist and, it's and that's not matt saying that you know slavery was moral of course it was not probably better that i exist than that I don't. So that's, okay. that's Thank the point. You. Thank you for answering. All right.